Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with a mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Welcome to another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast with me, Kia, where our mission is to bring light into darkness just like the fireflies. I know it's been two weeks and it really does seem like a very long time that I've recorded a podcast episode. It has been interesting the past two weeks, but most of all, it was something that I needed. I do feel somewhat refreshed. Uh, while I'm not like at 100, I'm definitely doing better than, than what I was doing before. And actually, you know what? We may have some new listeners. So before I even get into everything, I want to take the time to welcome any new listeners. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. I hope that you enjoy what you hear and that if you do, that you subscribe and share it on social media, send it in a text message to someone. This podcast is all about bringing light into darkness by simply sharing the stories of people thriving with a mental illness and just coming from the perspective of someone who is a two-time suicide survivor and has struggled with anxiety and depression since I've been about 12 years old. But I did not, um, I was not diagnosed until my early 20s. So This podcast was just really birthed out of me seeing that it was a need. I saw that there were podcasts on mental health, but they were from clinicians, so people who treat mental illness. There wasn't a podcast that was from the perspective of someone who deals with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, and I have found that the power of telling your story is so liberating. This platform is a judgment-free zone to give people the opportunity to live in their truth. And you hear me say that all the time, especially on social media. I always talk about living and owning my truth um, because that has been one of the most liberating feelings. The things that I was often fearful of because I thought people would judge me or ridicule me, being a suicide survivor has actually opened more doors than I can ever imagine. It was something that I really wanted to keep to myself because it was something I was really shameful about, but I'm definitely past that stage and I've come a very long way. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a part of my story. It's not who I am. I'm so much more than a suicide survivor. And I'm grateful that God has spared my life and the people that he's placed in my life to help me in my mental health recovery. So thank you so much for joining to all of the new listeners and welcome back to all of our listeners who come back week after week. I'm so grateful for the feedback, the the text messages, the um, emails. That really means a lot to me. Um, Shout out to Miss Denise. She sent me an awesome email and said that she was so proud of me for admitting that I needed help and taking a two-week break. So if you're new to the podcast, I took a two-week break from the podcast to do a psychiatric program. It's called Partial Hospitalization Program. It's in the state of Maryland. 
and it was something that I needed to do just like a tune-up. So I was not as bad as I was when I had my suicide attempt where like I didn't know the day of the week or like the month where I really wasn't like completely um, coherent. Like I was not there, but I certainly noticed a decline and I was relapsing. And so people, a lot of people don't realize that their relapse can happen in mental health People usually just think about relapse for like drug or alcohol use. It really does happen in recovery. And with that is a return of your symptoms. And so for me, that looked like staying in a bed, um, not taking care of my hygiene. Saw that I was not eating. I had a few, like a couple days where like I really didn't eat. And so... I saw I did not my suicidal thoughts did not come back thank God and I truly believe that was because the medication that I'm taking my medication really does prevent me from getting like extremely low and like suicidal um I knew that I needed to go into the partial hospitalization program because I saw that I was losing energy I saw that I was really just declining like everything was cloudy I was having a hard time focusing and concentrating having feelings of loneliness um, irrational thinking like a lot of us whether you have a mental illness or not experience irrational thinking but what I have experienced is that when I'm in a depression my thinking tends to be like extremely irrational like just things that and I know it's the depression that is feeding my mind these things but sometimes I don't have enough energy to um, reframe and for all of my mental health professionals who listen who listen to the podcast reframing is combating a negative thought with a positive thought so something as simple as like I'm you know maybe someone it's their irrational thought is I'm a loser and I'm ugly those were my thoughts but that's just an example but you combat that with a positive thought with something that you like about yourself so you can say no I'm you know I'm beautiful I'm smart but it really does take a lot of mental um capacity to do that And there were some days where my mind was really tricking me to think that I was alone. I knew that I had people in my circle. I have a great support system. But my issue ran into me reaching out to people who who were not, who, it's not that they couldn't help me. It's that, I'm sorry, it's not that they did not want to help me. It's that they could not help me. And so my mind internalized it as rejection because I just really couldn't. And it's like, I knew that, oh, well, they're not rejecting me. It's just that they can't, but it was just so hard because I was in such a low state and I was reaching out to people and it already took me a lot of energy to even reach out to people. So the fact that some people people could not help me when I needed them to help me, it just made it that much harder. And it, I realized that I was starting to isolate and I was shutting down, not responding to my to text messages. I was starting to get really snappy. And that's one of the things that I know when I'm starting to go back into a depression, I become extremely irritable and really snappy. And that's not me. Like I'm not a snappy person. 
but I knew that it was just a lot for me to handle and I saw myself going on a decline. When I noticed that I was that I was starting hygiene and that I went for like two days without eating and just kind of laying in the bed, the only thing I did was use the bathroom. But when I so when I saw so when I noticed those things, I was like, okay, something is going on and I need to do something about it. And so that was me being proactive versus reactive in my relapse. So I contacted my therapist and I let and I talked to her and she agreed that I was relapsing. So she also agreed that, you know, the partial hospitalization program would be great for me. So I was in that program before when I got out of the psychiatric unit two and a half years ago. But again, like I said, I was not bad to the point where I needed to be in the psychiatric unit because I was not suicidal or homicidal. Like I wasn't a threat to myself or others. So it was okay for me to just kind of essentially I needed I needed a tune up. So the program I learned more about myself. I it was there was some things that I already knew, but for me it was reinforcement. It was also the it was very comforting being around people who lived with a mental illness and some people in the program just recently got out of the psychiatric unit maybe a day or two ago and the program is you can be in the program for as little as two weeks and as long as four weeks so that's based on the um with the treatment team after they the psychiatric the psychologist or the therapist and the psychiatrist after they evaluate you they will let you know what the duration of your time needs to be. And so for me, it was two weeks. And I figured that it would be two weeks. So I was like, okay, this this is what I need to do. So that meant that I kind of had to pull away a little bit and really take the time to do work on myself. And it's so hard to work on yourself. Like the program, you're in there. I was in there from 8.30 to 3.30. So... That's a very long time to be in therapy, like five and a half, six hours a day. And the thing is, it's not like you're just in individual sessions. You have individual sessions, but you also have group sessions. Every day, there's a new topic that we would cover, whether it was drug and substance use, whether it was coping skills, whether it was crisis management, whether it was uh, reducing relapse. There are, it's a number of things that we discuss in there and you get, um, you get handouts and such as homework, not necessarily homework because they are going to correct it, but it's really for you to evaluate yourself. The groups are very, very beneficial because you hear from other people who may have, who may be going through something similar, but for me, it's so comforting to be around people who have been admitted in the psychiatric unit just because that's not something people in my support system can relate to because they haven't had that experience. Now, that's not to say they haven't dealt with like depression or anxiety before, but they haven't, they just didn't have that experience. And what I find is that going into the psychiatric unit is a very different experience, very different. Um, it can be traumatizing. It really can. And trying to adjust back into society after 
and I make it sound like it's a jail because it's people do become like institutionalized and so people don't realize how how hard it can be and so I saw myself slipping back and so that was a way for me to do that and it was not easy for me to make that decision but I really hope that by sharing my story and just being transparent and my recovery that it inspires other people to get help and also learn to live their truth also to fight any or as some people may call them demons or insecurities that we may have I really hope that it does because I have been really transparent about a lot of things that I've gone through and like I said it it has been challenging on top of trying to work through a relapse I've also been having where I've had to put in extra time and energy um, that I that I really didn't have because my energy was depleted and rebuilding um, a very close relationship Um, because my relationships are something that are extremely important to me and so this is someone who I really care about someone who really cares about me and so I've also had to use extra energy and work to rebuild um, that relationship and so it has been really really challenging So that's, you know, why I had to take the break. I was going, I just got discharged from the program or the hospital. And like I said, it's not like you're locked in the hospital, like the psychiatric unit. It's a completely different experience because the partial hospitalization program um, is voluntary. You're not like locked in. You can walk in and out when you want to, opposed to like the psychiatric unit. You have to like be in bed by a certain time. You have to um, ask if you can make like a phone call. Like it's it's very like structured and kind of sometimes make you feel like a child. So this is definitely more freedom. And so I would encourage people where in different states it's called different things. So in the state of Maryland, it's partial hospitalization program. But other states, it could be called like intensive like outpatient treatment where the structure is still relatively the same where you may go to the hospital for about like five to seven hours a day and do group therapy individual therapy you also work with the um, psychiatrist who helps you with uh, medication management you learn different coping skills and the program is generally the same but they may be it may be called something different so if you are in another state Uh, If it's not called partial hospitalization program, you may want to look at um, like behavioral, like behavioral and mental health or like psychiatric, um, psychiatric outpatient treatment. You may want to look at like trying to Google those type of phrases to see what comes up. But then also if you have insurance, call the back of your insurance call uh, card to see if what programs um would be available to you for outpatient services so that's also a way for you if you really notice that you need um, intense therapy and you need it regularly that's also an option because it got to the point where therapy once a week wasn't working for me like it's not that it wasn't working let me let me take that back it's not that it wasn't working it was that i needed more support i needed like Therapy once a week, it just wasn't enough. Let's just say that. It wasn't enough. I needed so much more. So it has helped me. I will be taking some time to review 
a lot of the handouts and things that I've gotten so that I can take the time to continue to reflect on the things that I've learned about myself in the course of two weeks and also creating um, you know, a plan to help me in instances where I should maybe have a relapse again in the near future to see the things that I've learned from this experience, what I would need in the future. Also, you know, creating a routine, which is really helpful for me. So yeah, it's been, it was something, definitely something that I needed. So I just wanted to let you guys know that I appreciate your understanding. I have been very vocal on social media about my challenges. And so people have texted me and checked on me and see how I'm doing or emailed me or comment or sent me a DM. And I do appreciate it. You know, I definitely do for people just checking on me and letting me know how they, you know, if I needed anything. And I want to send a very special shout out to Jessica Gaddy um, of Nia, Nia Noir. She is a, a school-based therapist, but she also has an awesome organization that supports um, mental wellness um, for women of color. And Jessica, she and I, um, we actually, I saw an interview with her. She was on a list for like the top, I'm going to show up with like the top 10 therapists or the top 15 therapists that you need to know, uh, black therapists you need to know. And so I interviewed Jessica earlier this year on the podcast and Jessica is really, really sweet. And she and I wind up connecting. We also spoke on a panel together and we wind up like exchanging um, phone numbers and just kind of keeping in touch. And, um, you know, and it's been great because I'm not sure what made Jessica want to do this, but this is she's not necessarily someone like in my support group or someone really close to me. But something I really appreciate about her is that she's a therapist. So there's she she looks at things in a different lens so I was explaining to her that I was struggling with feelings of loneliness and I just was really that I was realizing that people texting me wasn't it I needed more it wasn't that I didn't appreciate it it wasn't that I didn't want people to text me but I realized that I needed people to physically be there for me I needed people to take the initiative and say, hey, let's go for a walk. Hey, let's go to the movies. Or do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to go to the movies? I realized that the text messages for me, they were starting to resurface the emotions and remind me constantly that I'm not doing well. You know, imagine getting 10 text messages and people saying to you, "Um, how are you doing? How are you doing? And then you have to constantly relive those emotions or have those emotions resurface. And then const- to me, it was constantly reminding me that I wasn't doing well. So it was a it was a bit of a struggle because I know some people may have been texting me because they saw me opening up on social media and letting them know. So it, it was challenging because uh, one of my friends was like, well, then maybe don't post anything on social media. And it's not and it's something that I've struggled with because I'm like well I don't mind being open and I just um, the reason why I share things on social media when I'm not I may not be doing as well as I would like to be is because I don't want to just post on social media everything is great like as a person who struggles with the mental illness you're gonna have um, good days and bad days 
just like people who if you even if you don't have a mental illness you still struggle with good days and bad days but for me people who deal with the mental illness the thing the the difference between someone who does not have a mental illness is that life events amplifies your mental illness that's what people don't understand like and someone may be looking like at a situation like that so small but the way that a person's brain is wired with a mental illness like really life events can really just it's so hard to explain it's so hard to explain but it really can amplify it and so jessica she texted me and she was checking on me and then so i let her know what i was dealing with and um we were talking about going for a walk because i've been walking more and i lost eight pounds in two weeks Woo! proud of myself y'all it, it ain't easy but so i've started walking and so jessica was like drove in the rain because where she lived i believe it was raining but where i was living it where i live it was not raining so she drove to me and or near me rather and we linked up and we went walking for about 40 to 45 minutes and then i like had to rush and go off to um to get some testing done for my car accident and that really meant the world to me because she took the initiative she once she took time out of her day to do something with me on a Saturday when she could have did something else she didn't have to come and not to mention again just like I said Jessica and I reached out to her earlier this year to do a podcast episode and then again like I said we spoke at an event together and we you know we just kind of stayed in contact but that was something that was so small that meant the world to me because just just because no at the time I don't want to say no one but I can recall one person asking me to like go out but at the time I kind of turned it down because I really didn't have the energy like I just couldn't I, I couldn't I really started to get to the point the early stages of starting to feel like paralyzed in my bed like I started feeling that so but it, it oh, I just can't express how much it meant to me and one of the things that I learned in the program is like getting your needs met by your support system. And so, because so many people would say like, let me know if you need anything, let me know if you need anything. And so the thing is for some people, which we're gonna have an episode on getting your needs met by your support system because it's like too much to dive into now. But the thing is some people have different views of what support is and there are different types of support. And so I was covered emotionally, like emotionally, I was fine. There were people I, I know that I have people I can pick up the phone and call them and talk to them if I need to like vent or I just want to talk. Like, I mean, I have my therapist above anything else, but like just even people in my circle, I just still have people who I can talk to. And that wasn't my issue. Like I will reach out to somebody if I need to talk to them. I called one of my friends at two o'clock in the morning and she stayed on the phone with me for, I don't know, two hours while I talked and cried a couple weeks ago. So that really wasn't the issue for me. Like that need was met. Emotionally, I felt supported, but it was like the in-person support that I really needed. And that wasn't honestly something I really knew that I needed until my friend Liz, it was something that she start, she would do, like she would take initiative um when i was living in my apartment she would just like come to my apartment without me knowing um like so i it's 
it's just things like that that it was something where that Liz something she did for me and it was something that I started realizing like oh this is something that I actually need I actually sometimes need certain people or people in my circle to actually take the initiative and sometimes go the extra mile not all the time not to the point where I need to like where I'm gonna wear someone out and like ask too much of them or demand too much of them not not like that but just in the sense of like when I need extra support when I may be in an episode and I'm not doing so well and so also I you know so again thank you so much to Jessica for doing that just because I think the reason why it meant so much to me is because Jessica is not a part of someone of like my core group you know you I you not you I have this expectation of certain people in my support system so Jessica is not someone that like for instance I would have text or called on because I uh, needed something and so the fact that she did that it just meant a lot to me so thank you so much Jessica I'm just like so just overwhelmed with joy so I'm recording this episode on Saturday you guys will hear this on Monday but my birthday was on Friday September 14th and I you know received a lot of love and you know just nice words of encouragement from people and I really just kind of started reflecting on my life you know I started reflecting back on all the things that I did within the past 12 months since last September to this September and I really had to give myself a pat on the back and say like I'm so proud of you yes it's been hard it has not been easy but I have accomplished so much in the last 12 months some people don't even accomplish what I accomplished in a lifetime and I don't say that to brag I say that because I have pushed and pushed and continue to push and rise above my challenges and still go after my dreams and it's not easy but I'm still here and so I'm really grateful and I'm proud of myself because it takes a lot of work to work on yourself like just even in the partial hospitalization program there are so many people who start may start the program with you but they may not finish with you because once people get into the program the program starts allowing you to become uh, you become self-aware which can be too much for some people to handle and some people will stop going again because it's a voluntary program and so you really have to have a level of commitment because there may be things about yourself that are revealed to you that you may not like and you have to sit in that so there may be actual uh, behaviors or um, thinking patterns that you have that may be a detriment to your growth to your mental health to your relationships to your career so there are so many things that are that surface for a lot of people and there are people who stop going and so just something like that I'm even proud of myself because this is my second go around now the first time I went I was definitely in a completely different space I was like just diagnosed and I was I was I'm much further along in my recovery but again we all need to tune up once in a while and so I have been just babbing off at or babbling off at the mouth rather and we really need to get into this week's topic but we haven't talked in two weeks so I just had to give you guys an update on what was going on so thank you so much for your patience and for anyone who has reached out to me 
with words of encouragement and thank you for all of the birthday love. I truly, truly appreciate it. So for this week, guess what we're going to talk about? Because I told y'all, what was it, last month that we were going to talk about how to find a therapist when you don't have insurance or um, like free therapy or low cost therapy. So it was something that I thought would would be beneficial because a lot of times people like therapy costs too much it's too expensive and i was like okay i definitely have to address i have to address this because yes therapy can be expensive but there are resources that are available to you that you may not know about now i don't know every single resource and it may vary from state to state So if you are not in the state of Maryland and you are listening, for instance, in California or or Atlanta, I would my advice would be based on the information that I share. You know, you can go to the awesome University of Google and type in phrases and things or call your insurance and explain um, any information that I may share with you and see what's available in your state, because all states have programs and resources available. It's just a matter of finding them. And so what I'm going to share with you is a lot of things that may be based in the state of Maryland, but I do have also some digital or online uh, services too that I'll share with you as well. So what to do when you don't have insurance? What to do when therapy, maybe your copay is too much? So I'm going to break down a few things for you. So if your income is below a certain number for all states, it's different. But if your income is below a certain number, you can qualify for medical assistance slash Medicaid. And what that is, that is state funding through typically the Department of Social Services And it's insurance that will give you access to behavioral and mental health services. So, for instance, in the state of Maryland, they have, if you're in Maryland, it would be, I believe it's MarylandHealthConnection.gov. And hold on, let me just look in the computer right now before I mess up the website, but I'll be sure to put this in the show notes. So yes, it's MarylandHealthConnection.gov. I was correct. So if you are looking to see if you qualify for medical assistance or uh, Medicaid in the state of Maryland, you would go there, you would fill fill out an application and they will let you know if you're approved for Medicaid. Now, let's say you, um, you are not approved. If you are not approved, then here's what you can do. It will also give you an option if you make within a certain bracket where you will get tax credits. So for instance, let's say the insurance you want is $400 a month and the state will give you a credit for $350. So what do you pay then? You pay $50 a month for your insurance because the state, uh, the tax credit will be paying towards the the, the other portion of it. So that's also an option. So, but you have to make within a certain amount of income per year to qualify for the um, for the tax credit. 
And then if you make less than what the tax credits allow, then you would definitely get Medicaid and or like medical assistance. So those are also great options. And this is something that I had um, I had to take advantage of before when like I've been unemployed because I needed insurance. I needed my medication. So this is also something, you know, your medications will be paid for. You may pay nothing for your medication or you may pay as little as a dollar, maybe three dollars for your medication. Um, so those are there are definitely resources there. There is, and it depends because the thing is, when you are in the state of Maryland, when you are approved for, let's say, medical assistance, Medicaid, you will have to select what is called a Lord, a MCO. I believe is that's um, your your medical. I, I I can't. It's the MCO. Basically, that would be like your the person who your insurance, the company that your insurance is under. I forgot what it, what that MCO stands for. So it could be like Kaiser Permanente, it could be like um, Southern Maryland, uh, I'm sorry, it could be like MedStar, so it could be like MedStar, it could be Kaiser Permanente, it could be like University of Maryland Health Partners, it would be different um, insurance uh, companies or medical assistance companies. So you would pick which one that you would want to take, um, that you would want to use. And if you don't pick one, then the state will automatically pick one for you. And I think within the one year's time frame, I think if you don't want to stay with that, um, I was called a managed care organization. Sorry, that's what MCO stands for. So after, if, and I believe you can change your MCO managed care organization once within a year or 90 days or something. I'm not 100% sure, but you can definitely go to MarylandHealthConnection.gov. So if they wind up selecting one for you, then, and you don't want it, you do have the option of changing it once, I believe. So that's an awesome resource. And so if you are not in the state of Maryland, then I would encourage you, if you make below a certain amount, to go to your um, county's uh, Department of Social Services and talk to someone there. So if you go to social services and let them know that you're applying for medical assistance, they will help you with the applications and any questions that you may have. They will also um, let you know what the requirements are or what resources you may qualify for. So again, that would be the Department of Social Services, whatever county you may live in in the country. So that is definitely something that is available. And again, um, don't forget the tax credits. But again, like I said, it's usually like a hierarchy. So like if you don't, if you make too much for medic, uh, medical assistance, then you will, you may qualify for tax credit. So, and then that way you would, your cost for insurance would be reduced. So those are also um, resources that are available to you as well. Another resource that is available is to check with your job. There are a lot of jobs who have something called EPA, which is Employee Counseling and Assistance. So it's a number that you could call, you would, I believe you would check with your HR department. So they have a certain, you can call someone on the EPA um, Employee Counseling and Assistance Program, and you can call to talk to someone on the phone, and I believe you may get a certain number of sessions that's free it may be like five sessions that's included 
Um, I'm not sure they may have sessions that's included in person. I'm not exactly sure how that works because I haven't used employee counseling and assistance program because I haven't worked for a company that had it. But I know companies that do have it where I've had peers or friends that their company has it and my mom uh, jobbies even has it. And so there is is a great resource because you can talk to someone over the phone if you're not like comfortable speaking with someone and going like in person and like therapy is new for you. So I would definitely encourage you to check in with your HR department and ask them if they have the EPA program again, which is Employee Counseling and Assistance Program. So that's also a way for you to start the process to finding therapy. That will help you to at least, you can at least again, start the process and then you, you know, feel comfortable. Maybe you need more than five sessions. And if you need more than five sessions, then you can, you know, call the number on the back of your insurance card. Um, And then they will direct you to, uh, you know, a list of what therapists are within network. So that's also an option as well. Another option is a sliding scale. So a lot of therapists, which I believe I've talked about it before in the podcast, where therapists also have sliding scales where you're able to pay what you can. So a therapist may charge you, let's say this session is $165 per session. And that is something that you can't afford. And you can afford $65 per session. There are therapists who will take clients on a sliding scale basis and you will pay $65 per session. And another thing that I wanna say about therapy is that once you start the process, you cannot expect that one session is just going to cure you like because and I'm going to say therapy in the sense of this is for anyone, whether you have a mental illness or not. You, I've been with the same therapist. September makes three years that I've been with my therapist. So there was a lot of unpacking that I had to do. And everyone time is different. There may be some people who only need six months. There are people who may just need a year, but it is your journey your journey alone. I've been in therapy for three years. Oh, well, I'm going to stay in it until I need to, you know, move on to maybe work with someone else or maybe not need it anymore. But so that's just something I want to bring to your attention because therapy takes work and therapy does not work unless you work. So, and your therapist does not sit in the session and tell you what to do. And if you are seeing a therapist and your therapist telling you what to do, you may want to reevaluate um, your therapist. <laughs> but yeah, therapy therapists they do not tell you what to do; they help guide you. So, which is a which is very different. And maybe we'll just do an episode on what a first therapy session looks like. But yeah, so that is going back to the sliding scale. So that's also something you can take advantage of. There are, you can go to um, like www.psychologytoday.com and you can type in your your city and state or your zip code and the therapist will pop up 
uh, with, uh, that are in your area. And once the, um, it pops up to show you the therapists that are in your area, it'll tell you um, in their Psychology Today profiles if they accept clients on a sliding scale. So again, that would also be a reduced rate. Like say for instance, you wanna work with the therapist because you know you had your first session and you really enjoyed working, you felt like you can make great progress with this person. So, but you discovered that this therapist maybe is out of network. So they don't take your insurance. Um, or maybe you don't have insurance, but again, if they accept patients with a, a sliding scale, then you can have your, your sessions at a reduced cost. And that sliding scale could vary from therapist to therapist, so that is something that you would want to speak with the therapist about. So that's also something that you can take advantage of if you don't have insurance. There is also something that you can do, of course, online is awesome. And so I've talked about online therapy. And online therapy is great because they are there are online therapy platforms that are HIPAA compliant, so everything remains confidential unless you are a threat to yourself or someone else. And so here are four online therapy um, therapy services that you can take advantage of online. So one is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is awesome. It's, um, I'm going to make sure I leave all of these links in the show notes so you can refer back to them. BetterHelp is all therapists are licensed and experienced. You can have therapy by phone or by like text message or video. And they also have a mobile app and they are um, HIPAA compliant. And the average weekly cost is $35. So that is really a fraction of the cost of what you would pay if, let's say, the sliding scale didn't work for you, your, your job doesn't have an EPA program, you don't qualify for Medicaid or a government um, tax credit, then you can take advantage of BetterHelp, which is www.betterhelp.com. They have over 200, 2,000, I'm sorry, they have over 2,000 therapists. And again, these are licensed clinicians. So it's not just like a Joe Smo off the street that you're talking to. These are people who are trained, who have their licensure, they have experience. So I'll be sure to leave their information in the show notes so you can refer back to it. Another website, which is supposed to be really good for couples, I've never used it because I'm not in a relationship, but it's called Regain, and they are all experienced and licensed therapists, and again, you can chat by video, by phone, and by message board, and the average weekly cost is $45 per week, so usually sometimes people go to therapy like once a week, or sometimes it could be every other week, which would in turn be twice a month. It just depends on what you need. I go every week, but there was a point where I went every other week. And it just kind of depends on what's happening in my life to see how often I may need to go. So again, that's regain.com. And that's what is a great resource if you are a couple and you're looking for a therapist. Another website is Talkspace. And Talkspace is great because it's HIPAA compliant as well. I've heard Talkspace advertised on other podcasts 
they are a bit more pricely than BetterHelp. Um, Talkspace, their average cost is about $59 per week compared to $35 a week for BetterHelp. They also have all licensed clinicians. Um, all of their therapists also go through a training and a background check and they have over a thousand therapists so you can also check out Talkspace with all of these platforms and talk to your therapist through text message or some of them have message boards or through videos or on the phone so those are all great options for you as well if you want to do like e-counseling or like counseling you know that's not actually in person so those are also resources if you don't have insurance or low cost you need to you know you want to go to therapy and you have insurance but maybe your copay is too expensive you know the situation could be very different and so those are pretty much all the resources that i have and i really hope and pray that it's helped you and that you got something out of this because a lot of times people are like therapy costs too much or you know Sometimes in the black community, like, oh, that's a white people thing. Only like rich white people do that. No, that's not true. More and more people of color are going to therapy. So let's really dismantle that stigma. And I wanted to do this episode because I wanted people to know that there are resources available if you are on a budget or you don't have insurance. So especially, you know, because the medication, if you need to see a psychiatrist, medication can definitely add up and so if you i would also encourage that for if you definitely are on like medical assistance within your state wherever you may live your medications could definitely be covered completely or you may pay like um a very low amount like maybe five dollars or under but i know for the, the state of maryland that's how it is but I'm not sure about all other states. So again, just kind of check with your Department of Social Services to see what behavioral or psychiatric um, programs are available for people who don't have insurance or people who, um, cause you, but the thing is with social services, you have to make less than a certain amount. So if some people may not qualify for that, so if you don't qualify for that, then that's why I wanted to share those other options with you. So please, I just want to make sure that you all let me know if there's, if you know about some resources, let me know because then I can share that on the podcast with other people. This is just based on the research and also the knowledge based on my experience, the things that I have done. So please let me know. I can include that in like the email blast that I send out every week. I can also include it on social media and also mention it on the podcast. So again, if you know of any free or and low cost mental health services, please let me know. We're not going to have a therapist shout out for this week because this episode was about free and low cost therapy. So I just, you know, didn't think it would, we needed to have a, a therapist shout out. And also since we are coming back this week, we're also won't have a mind body and soulness segment this week we're going to pass on that for this week and next week but we'll get back to it don't worry it's just that since I haven't recorded the podcast in two weeks it can make the podcast really long and I really do my best to keep the podcast episode under an hour 
So that almost wraps us up for another episode of the podcast. But before we go, I wanted to let you all know that I'm still producing the This Is My Brave show, which is next month, October 21st. And I'm still looking for sponsors. So if you're interested in sponsoring, please let me know. Um, you can shoot me an email if you're or if you want to sponsor. Or if you're in the DMV area and you want to attend the show, the tickets are $15 for students and $20 for general admission. So again, that's October 21st. It'll be at the Gunson One Theater. Feel free to come. And then also next week, so we'll be joined by Tatum of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. And she and I had the privilege of sitting down and speaking during the two-week break. So I was on a break, but I was still working, not working as much. But yes, the episode is going to be awesome next week. I cannot wait for you all to hear it. So as always, I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast Thank you for the awesome support. I truly appreciate it. Just help me, please, by sharing the podcast on social media. Help the podcast grow. So if you like what you hear, please share it. Please also rate the podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave um, a review on the website at www.fireflyersunite.com. Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. When you leave a review, it really helps us grow. It helps people to find the podcast easier. And we grow. Uh, we go up in the, the list on Apple Podcasts, so we'll be easier for people to find. So the reviews and the, the um, rating really does mean a lot for um, Apple Podcasts. So thank you all. Thank you again for listening. I pray that you all have a blessed and awesome week. Y'all know I'm always sending you positive vibes and I will talk to you next week. I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health. But please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.